Greetings one and all, wherever you are in the universe, and welcome to the latest episode of an Espresso Shot Confidence, the podcast that explores all aspects of confidence, challenges to booze and unhelpful narratives, and empowers you to be awesome, loudly and proudly. I'm your host, the master of awesomeness, Ashley Griffiths, and it's time for you to grab a drink, settle in, as we dive into the world of mental health. Throughout this month, we've been exploring the topic of male mental health from many different angles. Middle age, the reasons people don't speak up. And I wanted to share like this staggering statistic that, that I found today. It just blew my mind. It just blew my mind. I saw that out of all the men, like I've mentioned on several podcasts, that the suicide rate amongst men, especially in the 40 to 55-year-old age bracket, is scary. There's just so many men that are committing suicide. And I saw this, like I said, I saw this staggering statistic that almost two-thirds of men committed suicide in the UK had actually reached out for support before they took their lives. They'd reached out to their GP, their local doctor, their primary care provider. Yet only 5% out of all of those people had actually gone to look for some form of intervention. And that is just, it blows my mind. It blows my mind um, that we're still in this situation where men are just afraid to talk about it. Like Mauro Ranallo, uh, a famous American, I think American Canadian, he's a sports commentator. Um, he is very publicly um, talked about his challenges with mental health. And he said, I believe the biggest stigma right now with mental health is that a lot of men are not talking about it. And this is still the case. Out of all of those men that actually did kind of take that first step, they still felt after that that there was no way forwards, that they were unable to actually go to therapy and actually talk through their challenges. They, they, they didn't know how to. And it doesn't help that we exist in, in a system where it's chronically underfunded the left hand very rarely talks to the right hand. And a lot of people of all ages, all genders, end up just floating in the breeze, having to figure things out themselves. And some people can, some people can do that. But for a lot of people, they just don't know where to start. And with whatever challenges are going on in their life, they just get stuck. and they come to the conclusion that the only solution to move forwards is to commit suicide, to end it, to stop being the burden that they perceive themselves to be. And in these challenging times that we're living in, where people seem more disconnected than they've ever been, even though we're more connected through the internet and things like that than we've ever been. 
so many people feel alone. So many people feel like they don't have a purpose, that they don't have anyone there that will listen. And there's so many men out there that still just don't feel like they can talk. They, they've got no idea how to do it. That it's somehow a weakness to display the fact that they have emotions, to, to display the fact that they're in pain. Now, I believe wholeheartedly that to ask for help in any way, shape or form takes courage, takes strength. Now, courage and strength and bravery are these traditional qualities associated with manly men that go off on adventures and go to war and drive fast cars and all of that crap. But being able to go inwards and address those demons within to say, look, I can't do it all on these shoulders. I need support. It's such a brave thing to do. And I know for me on a, on a personal level, I wish I'd done it sooner. I wish I'd done it sooner. You know, it, it took a mental breakdown to start saying, look, I need support here. I, I'm struggling. I, I don't know what to do. I, I can't do it by myself. You know, back in 2016, I was a mess. I was an absolute mess. Having suicidal thoughts, feeling as if the world was shaking. I was lost. I was in pain. And these thoughts in my head were so intrusive and so scary. And I lost complete confidence in who I was as a human and in my ability to go throughout the day. And that was when I reached out for the first time. I reached out to a few people and said, look, I need some support. I need some help here. I'm struggling. And I was the other side of the world. People couldn't come and, you know, knock on my door and, and sit with me or anything. But what they could do is get on a call and we talked and we chatted. And, and I found that really helpful. It, it really helped to level me out. In some cases, it acted as a distraction. And I eventually got back to the UK at the back end of 2016 and booked myself straight in for an appointment with a doctor, went to see the doctor, got immediately put on uh, antidepressants because I'd been persuaded that I needed a crutch. And I did. I guess I did at that time. Um, do I necessarily agree with, with the use of antidepressants? I'm not entirely sure now. Um, but at the time, it, it, it seemed like the right thing to do. It seemed like the support that, that I needed. But the thing was, I didn't really make any other changes 
at that time, I literally started taking pills and muddled along. Uh, <laughs> it just kept going as if things were kind of normal. Um, drinking, partying, being going out and about, and so the mask was still very much on 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 some level. As as much as it had slipped, um, it wasn't really until basically the the back end of 2017, 2018, that I truly, truly got the support that I needed. And I look back, and, and, and as I look back, I, I'm reflecting upon the fact that medication is often the first port of call. You know, just, I, I read today that the number of antidepressants being prescribed around the world is increasing year on year. And the amount of people that are taking them are getting younger and younger and younger. You know, just between 2020 and 2023, the NHS here in the UK reported that 86 million antidepressants were prescribed to an estimated 8.6 million patients. That's a lot of people. And that is just the people that are actually asking for help. Because a lot of men, and I know I was one of them for the longest time, opted to self-medicate instead. But let's just reflect a little bit on the antidepressants for a minute. There are these pills that do various things to your chemical makeup. Um, the common ones that are issued at the moment, um, they regulate your serotonin um, in your brain. It's that feel-good drug, feel-good chemical. Um, there's this belief that there's not enough of it produced in people that have depression. So, yes, so I, I got put on um, a course of antidepressants. And looking back, I had the most craziest dreams when I went on them. And I think it did level me out to a certain extent. But after a while, because, and here is, is the kicker really, but after a while, because I wasn't doing anything else to support my health, my mental health, it just maybe took the edge off things. I wasn't dealing with the, the core problems. I wasn't dealing with what was truly going on in, in my life, what had created these, these feelings. I wasn't dealing with the environment. I was hiding. I was running and I wasn't talking about things. And there's this myth throughout modern society that with anything, when it comes to weight, when it comes to your general nutrition, when it comes to happiness, there's this, this notion you can take, take some sort of pill. It's all, almost like something out of an Aldous Huxley novel. You know, it's like, take this pill and uh, everything will be all good. But it doesn't work like that. 
it doesn't work like that at all. And in some cases, I would argue that a lot of the people that are on these pills probably don't actually need to be on them and are not gaining any sort of benefit from them other than the placebo effect. It's like, well, I'm doing something. I'm being proactive. You know, I'm taking pills, but I don't think you truly are being proactive in that example. If you're like literally thinking, okay, I take this pill and everything will be okay, that's very passive. And and I and I was most definitely one of those people. Um, I'll take this and I'll be okay. And I'll you know without making any other changes in my life, I kept on drinking, I kept on partying, I kept on not sleeping enough, not drinking enough water, not looking after my physical and mental health. So obviously, the problems kept coming. You know, there there was that layer of of calmness that the, the pills may or may not have brought. But ultimately, I was still in pain. I still had trauma that I hadn't dealt with. I was still depressed. I was still having anxiety attacks. I was still unhappy with where I was in the world. And I'm sorry, a pill is not going to solve that. Absolutely not. It goes much deeper than that yes it can give you a boost absolutely but if you are not dealing with the trauma if you're not dealing with the actual root of the problem it's a waste of time that because the root will keep on making itself known uh, gabal mate always says the body will always let you know the trauma is there it's hiding in some cases, in some cases, it's on the surface and you're denying it. But it stays within the body and it manifests itself constantly. So for me, the not actually going to the next step, which was talking, getting therapy, looking at alternative ways to look after my health, that effectively meant that I kind of drifted for a year. Yes, I was on the pills. Yes, it took the edge off. No, I wasn't having suicidal thoughts anymore. But I was still lost, still lacking purpose, still depressed. And still self-medicating on top, which is what a lot of men do. They self-medicate, be that alcohol, be that drugs. And that substance abuse in itself can lead to even more problems as they spiral more and more and more and more out of control. I know for me personally, with my alcohol use, whenever I got drunk, there would be those times where the emotions came out, where the stress came out, where the trauma came out, and there were some spectacular meltdowns. I'd get aggressive. I would scream and shout and cry and curse. And then feel bloody even worse about myself in the morning because I was embarrassed. Embarrassed about how I'd acted. Worried about how people would perceive me. Thinking I was a goddamn loser. So that feedback loop. It's very easy to get stuck in that. And when you exist in a world or a culture that celebrates manliness or doesn't really encourage men to express themselves or show their emotions. 
you end up with a whole load of alpha male bullshit going on. Like, I know when I was growing up, all the, the drinking culture in the UK, for fuck's sake, honestly, it was ridiculous. Your manliness was determined by the amount you could drink. And if you didn't keep up, that made you weak. So for someone like myself who was depressed, drinking that amount of alcohol, eventually it was going to cause problems because alcohol is a depressive. So you get into this culture where it's like, yeah, okay, I'm having a bit of a rough time. Even if you say something like I'm having, yeah, a bit of a rough time at work. Yeah, do you want to go and have a beer and we'll have a chat about it? Alcohol was so pervasive. So it's very easy then to just get into that habit of having a glass of wine when you get home or a beer or going for a couple of beers after work. And those couple of beers can turn into a couple more beers. And especially when you're down, I know for me on a personal level, I used to drink the alcohol to bring me up. You know, if I was feeling numb or if I was feeling lost or I was feeling upset, I'd go and sit in the pub and have a few beers and that, that could either lift me up or it would come out. The emotions would come out one way or the other. I know when I had my first mental breakdown at 18, the energy just had to come out. It had to come out. It needed to come out. and because I was basically drinking all the time, it came out and it came out spectacularly and I upset a lot of people. And then it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, you, you don't like yourself. You don't think you're likable. And then you do actions that make everybody not like you because they don't, they, they find you volatile. They find you unpredictable. They find you aggressive. And for me, I ended up isolated. So like I said, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. Nobody likes me. Nobody cares about me. And then I give them reasons not to. And alcohol can do that. And, you know, I've read a lot of stats around this that with suicide. A lot of, quite a few of the men that, that did commit suicide were also self-medicating and they got in deep. Um. And when you get in deep with alcohol and drugs, that attacks the body and your body's going to defend itself. And, you know, ultimately that can lead to all sorts of other conditions. It's just a vicious fucking feedback loop. It's just it's horrible. It's horrible. And, and it, <laughs> it's so preventable. You know, if men actually would talk out, talk out, and say, look, I'm struggling. But as I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but Vinit Agarwal, I saw found this quote from him said, you know, men suffer a lot behind the mask of manliness. You know, those typical male stereotypes: be strong, brave. Don't admit that you're struggling. Oh, emotions? What emotions? There's no emotions here. Nothing to see here. I'm a man. But I'm so glad that things are changing here. And, and when you've got like someone like uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson come out, on the surface, you look at him, he's everything that, you know, a man in, the, in a lot of cultures would aspire to. He's healthy, he's fit, he's virile, he's successful, he's wealthy. 
And he's also made bold people look cool. So thank you for that, Dwayne. But he said, regardless of who you are, or what you do for a living, or where you come from, doesn't discriminate. We all kind of go through it. And he was alluding to the fact that we all have struggles. We all have pain. We all have times when we're stressed, when we don't feel valued, respected, loved, seen, heard. And for a lot of men, we hide. We put masks on. I know I did. You put a mask on and go, no, nah, nothing to see here. Everything's all good. No problems. I'm a man. I don't suffer that. No, no, no. That's for girls, isn't it? In a lot of cases, all of that bravado is literally a deflection. Whereas inside, the man's thinking, I could never, I could never tell anybody I feel that way. What are they going to think? They're going to think I'm a loser. They're going to think I'm weak. Are they going to think that, you know, I'm not really a man? Is my wife going to leave me because I'm not a proper man? Does that make me undesirable? Because, you know, I'm in touch with my emotions, my feelings. And in the vast majority of cases, the answer to that would be absolutely not. A lot of people out there would love to have a partner that was in touch with their emotions. That didn't hide behind a mask. That didn't go and drink themselves silly and, and do crazy sh sabotaging shit. Because inside they have little or no self-worth. So they try and push away the people that actually do care for them. So like I said, many, many men are afraid to speak up, to say that they're struggling. And as I was prepping for this episode, I found this amazing quote from Michael Phelps. You know, he said, since that day, I opened up about my emotions. It's just been so much easier to live and so much easier to enjoy my life. And that quote massively, massively resonates with me because I felt I had to do it all alone. I felt that nobody would get it. I felt that I was some way defective, broken, worthless. And who would have time to deal with that? I was also afraid that I was crazy, that, that I belonged in a mental asylum, that I wasn't fit for society. When you've got those thoughts bouncing around your head, that's some high stake shit right there. So it's very easy to see why people wouldn't speak up if you're thinking like that. And you've got no experience. You never had a positive male role model or a role model around you that encouraged speaking and sharing. If you're literally telling yourself that you're broken, you're defective, and that people are going to think you're some sort of weirdo because you feel bad, then it's very easy to put that mask up. 
to go and have that beer, to go and have that line of coke, and not actually address the root. Now, for me, like I said at the start, back in 2016, when I actually spoke up to loved ones and said, look, I feel crap. I feel shit. I do not feel good. I'm struggling here. I'm absolutely drowning. Immediately when I spoke up, it took the edge off. It felt like I was letting gas out of the system. Gas that was threatening to blow me up. And just as I just switched that valve, and I could feel that stress and tension and anger seeping out of me, it was a relief. And afterwards, I felt a bit numb. And I went into a shell. But it was the start. It was the start. And when I eventually did properly, properly and truly engage in looking after my mental health in 2018, a whole new world opened up. A whole new world opened up, and a whole new world of possibilities of healing opened up. So I went into therapy. I was very lucky to meet uh, a very amazing therapist who really helped me to untangle a lot of the shit inside to address some of the trauma that I felt inside we got to speak about some of the root causes we got to speak about some of the things that i'd been carrying with me some of those thought patterns that simply were not true but at some point i believe them to be because in, in things like nlp and a lot of the psychology modalities, there's a belief that an action and a, a thought, a belief at some point was there to serve you, as, as perverse as that may sound. So when you're younger, you rely on your parents or, or your guardians or adults around you to take care of yourself because you're defenseless, you're not emotionally, physically fully developed. You need that support unit around you. Now imagine, for example, that you realize as that kid that adults haven't got it all figured out, that they don't know everything, that they have their own problems, that throws you into chaos. You don't feel safe, you don't feel secure. So immediately your brain goes into defense mode and it does what it can with what it knows at that time. And that's why, you know, for anybody who has gone through therapy, when you actually get to it and you get down deep into what's causing your problems, it usually stems to something from your birth up to about the age of seven. 
I know for me on a personal level, when, when I much later was able to learn different modalities and explore the root of my trauma, it went back all the way to my birth. And the fact that I had a traumatic birth and then was alone. And then when I eventually I did meet my mother, she was struggling as well. She had had a traumatic birth and we struggled to bond. Now, for anyone who knows anything about babies and those initial moments when they come into the world, skin to skin contact is absolutely vital. It shows that they're safe. Because imagine it, you've been for nine months, you've been in this dark, warm place. And then all of a sudden you're in this world of chaos. So skin to skin contact is absolutely vital. And I found out that I didn't have that. And as I went through something called timeline therapy, which is something that's used in hypnotherapy and and neurolinguistic programming, I discovered that that was the starting point. And then I was able from there, I was kind of like able to work back and you, you could just see how it had all compounded over time and why I had such issues relating to people. It was... You know, I, I'm talking about that like with a smile on my face because it's just, it feels so liberating to actually be able to know where it came from and to be able to talk about it without feeling the, the need to, to, to get angry or burst into tears because the healing has taken place. You know, there was no one at fault. It was what it was. But we're, we're complex beings as humans. And the way we process things is, is sometimes, yeah, yeah, it, it takes some time to unpack. And that is the power of speaking. It's the power of finding support and help for whatever challenges you're going through. By doing that, you get to learn, you get to see what's what, you get to challenge what's going on in your mind. And you don't have that if you just deal with it yourself. You start to believe that things are true. If you're calling yourself a loser every single day, you're going to believe that. And you're going to then start looking for evidence that that is the case. If you think you are weak and you call yourself weak, you're going to look for evidence that you are weak in the external world and you will find it. You will be able, you'll start picking fault about the way that you go about your life, your job, the way you do sports, the way you handle negotiations, whatever it is. It manifests. It's just the way it is. And yet when you talk about things, you learn to be more aware. You learn to accept where you're at, what those thoughts are. And then from that point, you learn how to challenge that. Is this true for me? Do I accept that? Where's the evidence that that is actually true? You also learn as well at that point, your triggers, what triggers you and why it triggers you. And then from that point, 
you can choose what to do with that. So for me, you know, I know recently I've, I've removed myself a little bit from the world of social media because I was really struggling with the superficial, ego-driven narratives out there. And I'd realized I'd gone into a rabbit hole and I was starting to question my competence in relation to this artificial matrix world. And I know I'm not alone with that. And I also know it's a cause of a lot of mental health challenges right now where people are going online and looking at their business and going, wow, look at all these people. They're making loads of money. And they look at that person with the big fancy car and the big fancy jet and that. Do they really own it? Or have they just hired it for the day? at very reasonable rates as it turns out because I actually did a bit of research to see what what people were charging for this and that's what happens when you get stuck in a narrative you start thinking well okay well it's got to be true you hear it enough you see it enough it's got to be true it's got to be true but is it is it is it really and again talking about this is a great way to dive into what is true for you, what is good for you, what is not good for you. So I know for me, talking was just, it opened so many doors. And then from there, once I started actually addressing these things, I had more bandwidth to look at other modalities. So like I mentioned, neuro-linguistic programming, I, I learned about that, which gives you a map of the world. And it helps you to see how you see the world. And then whether you want to see the world that way or not, and then the tools to change that if it doesn't meet with where you are now. And as I mentioned earlier on, a lot of the time we're carrying around trauma we didn't even know was there. Emotions from when we were kids that are just, that are just driving our narratives in terms of the way we communicate and the terms we relate to one another in the relationships that we get into. The, it, it's just this tape that's just stuck on repeat. And unless you actually do something about that and get into those messages, and get into those stories and get into that trauma, it will keep showing up, especially if you're just self-medicating. Or just think, yeah, I'll just take a pill, I'll be all right then. No, I need to do more. Need to do more. And I know for some people, they're not comfortable talking. And, and the narrative around males talking about mental health is like, oh, no, I can't do that. That's not Men don't do that. But there's trained therapists out there. And there's other modalities as well. Again, as I mentioned in a previous podcast, if you don't want to just talk about things, you know, there's... Things like EFT, emotional freedom technique, there's hypnotherapy, there's timeline therapy in, in, in the NLP, um, coaching world. There's coaching, there's mindfulness coaching, there's meditation. There's loads of different ways that you can bring calm to your world, that you can nurture your mental health and your physical health 
and look after yourself in a way that is much healthier than going down the pub, drinking 10 pints, and then beating the shit out of something on the way home when the anger comes out. You know, I know I used to, yeah, the amount of things that I broke in fits of rage when, when, I, when I used to drink heavily. It's scary. It's scary. It, it, there were a lot of repair bills, but there are healthier ways. So I highly recommend to any man out there that is struggling right now, the first step is to reach out to your primary care provider, but look at therapy. There's loads of therapists out there. It doesn't mean you're broken. It doesn't mean you're de defective. And I know as well for a lot of people, especially now with the cost of living crisis, people talk about, well, I ain't got the money to pay a therapist. A lot of therapists have sliding scales when it comes to payments. It doesn't have to be inhibitively expensive. You've also got the Samaritans. You can talk to the Samaritans. They are, that's a free helpline. They're there 24 seven. There are trained professionals waiting on the line to help you with whatever's coming up. There's charities out there. I know a lot of church groups around the country have charities attached to them that deliver mental health services. When I first went into therapy, I went to one of those. Now, I'm not religious. I'm not Christian. But they provide this service to the community. It doesn't matter about your denomination, your religion. It really doesn't. Yes, the people that are providing these services are Christian, but they are there to support you. And they will support you if you reach out to them. And I'm glad I did. You know, I ended up getting the the arrangement I had with a therapist that I met through the church group was that we would pay a, a nominal fee. Um, so I paid into that every month, every week, X amount of money just to help cover the costs, keep the electricity on. And then eventually when, when that particular contract came to an end, I ended up going into the private practice with my therapist. She offered because of the, how we'd met she offered a preferential rate that covered her costs and and was and i was more than happy to pay um i was in a much better financial position by that point so i was like yeah okay whatever you tell me what you tell me how much you <laughs> the session is and i pay you that money it's you know it was a no-brainer to me because it helped me so much there are now when i see them popping up all over the country there's men's walking groups there's men's support groups. There's men's communities showing up within local communities. It's fabulous. It's an amazing thing to see. Um, there's a one I know near where I live up in Kenilworth. They meet up every Thursday and they go for a walk and they talk through stuff. And you don't have to just rock up there and say, look, okay, I'm depressed or stuff. If you want, you can share. It's a safe space, a space where you can talk. You don't, you're happy to listen, you listen. You just want to talk about the bloody weather, you talk about the bloody weather. And then you speak up when you're ready. So there's loads of support out there for talking that can enable you to get whatever shit is inside of you 
out. And believe me, I am living, breathing proof that the moment you let that crap out, things just lighten. They lighten. I always talk about it that there's this dark tinge when I'm depressed. That everything seems a bit grey. But when I talk and share, I say, look, this is what's coming up at the moment. It just opens up. It just adds a, a hint of colour to the world. So please, 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 wherever you are in the world, speak up. Speak up and share. Nobody will think you're a burden. Nobody will think you're a loser. Especially if by you speaking up, that stops whatever thoughts you're thinking right now. Be they suicidal or harmful. If by speaking up, you're able to challenge them. Quiet them. And find a much healthier, positive narrative for you to move forwards. The people around you are going to celebrate that fact because you're still going to be on the planet. And this is a bloody good thing. So thank you for looking for that support. And thank you for being you. Thank you for being brave, for speaking up. You are loved. And on that note, that brings us to the end of this episode of An Expresso Shot of Confidence. Wherever you are in the world, stay safe. Know that there is support out there. That you are not broken. You are not crazy. You are loved. It's truly awesome. Peace.